Golly, ladies and gents, cross-dressers and queens, welcome to episode 5 of Book Record Beer. Though the gods tried to prevent this episode from happening, we prevailed. Resolute in atheism and a dedication to nine-inch nails. So join us in finally celebrating one of my favorite authors, Zadie Smith, and her prize-winning short story, Miss Adele Amidst the Corsets, as well as Nine Inch Nails' brutal EP, Broken, and Two Roads Brewery's Route to Ruin. Route to Ruin? Either way, it's a black IPA. The brothers Mahalik take on Nine Inch Nails' Wish with a two-piece of plum, and we learn a little bit more about one another by the cast end. And well... That's all I wrote, so come get weird and cheers. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode five of Book Record Beer. Uh, we've got a uh, a little bit of a new sort of twist, maybe a little bit quicker, who knows? We uh, tend to talk for a while, but... We have uh, a short story from uh, one of my favorites, Zadie Smith. This is uh, Miss Adele Amidst the Corsets, um, published originally in the Paris Review. Uh, we have an EP uh, from Nine Inch Nails, Broken, um, their first uh, major label release and also their first uh, EP. And uh, the beer we'll be drinking is um, the Two Roads Route to Ruin, uh, black IPA, although it could be pronounced root to ruin. Rout. It's spelled R-O-U-T-E. How do you say it, Daniel? I would say root. You would say root? What do you say? I'm probably root. Root? Some people route. S- did I say route? I think I started with <laughs> I think I started with route. I think that's my go-to, though. Root, route. This is good casting. Fuck. All right. So in, either, in any case, <laughs> that's how it's fucking spelled. Uh, so I, I'm joined, as always, uh, by my two good buddies, uh, Daniel DeFranco. Hey, guys. Hi, I'm Daniel. Constantly forgets to <laughs> just say hello. <laughs> every time five for five. <laughs> I just zone. I just zone out. And Nick Gregorio. Hello. Great to be back. Excellent. And uh, we're going to have uh, my brother, engineer extraordinaire, Michael Mahalik, uh, chiming in as well this cast. Yo. <laughs> Minimalist. <laughs> nice. Appreciate yeah, it. Appreciate it. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, so uh, back by popular demand, I'm going to uh, introduce these guys uh, in the way of, you know, if I were to introduce you to somebody new, uh, this is how I'd do it. Um, the popular demand is by our biggest fan, Mr. Adam Carolla. Uh, thank you, Adam. We are doing this for you, sir. It's not. So, <laughs> it's not a joke. It's, he likes all our shit. It's very. It's very true. No, he he didn't request this, but if he does listen, uh, we love you, Adam. So, uh, Daniel DeFranco, <laughs> if I were to introduce you to somebody, um, and I were to do so through the lens of what uh, man in drag you would uh, either be or remind me of, it would be Dustin Hoffman as Tootsie. Right. Uh, <laughs> mostly because of his uh, stubborn temperament and how he antagonizes every producer um, in, that, in that film. <laughs> it's, just, it's just because of the email I sent. Mostly the email. Is 100%. I wrote these recently, obviously. Uh, Nick Gregorio, you would undoubtedly be Miss Doubtfire. Um, because you are swarthy as fuck. Swarthy, gentlemen. Uh, and also, I, 
I'll be frank. I'm not sure you'd make the most attractive lady, but you would be a sweetheart. And so that's why you are uh, your Mustafa. Toodaloo! <laughs> it was a run by fruiting. Uh, it was the drink that killed him. <laughs> no, he was hit am, by a Guinness truck. <laughs> I am I am terrible at acts. I don't even know why I attempt them. Yeah. If I was to introduce uh, Nick, Nick Mahalik to you without being prepared, I would say that he is uh, like a cross between Wesley Snipes Ooh. And Patrick Swayze in Tu Wong Fu. Tu Wong Damn. Fu. Thanks for everything. Wow. Thanks for everything. So good. That's a compliment. I'll, <laughs> I'll take that and I'll take that and run with it. Yeah. In One a red minute. dress. Um, good <laughs> shit. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was secretly hoping you were going to say Agador, though. <laughs> you can't handle my Guantamalinas. You can't handle my heat. Uh, I'm not that tan, though. So here we go. Uh, let's get into Miss Smith's. Um, story. Let's do it. Uh, Miss Adele amidst the corsets. Uh, the basic premise here and why I introduced um, these gentlemen in drag was because um, it is uh, centered around a drag queen in New York City uh, aging. Uh, central focus there being that she is in fact aging. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. it just you know begins with her busting her corset um, and has to find a new one. The corset has died in the line of duty. Uh, and that is a direct quote. Um, <laughs> it's doing its job. Uh, and so there's almost, I feel like, uh, and the only re- other reason I mention Agador is I feel like uh, Miss Dell's counterpart in the beginning mm-hmm. reminds me of like an Agador. Like literally um, starts singing to her uh, and, and is like uh, just telling her how she's got to lay off the rice and beans. Um, <laughs> and I just hear Agador's voice in my head uh when you know little hank azaria as a guatemalan <laughs> uh, well the first line of the song she sings is when an irresistible force like your ass yeah <laughs> um that's hilarious meets in, immobile, meets in a movable corset like this you can bet as sure as you live um yeah it's it's good oh and as a side note i saw zadie smith uh read this um, up at the push cart uh, uh, last year or two years ago. You went that? Tonight? I went to that. Yeah, that's awesome. So um, I I went and she obviously was like fantastic. She did a different voice for every character. Oh, right on. So that's she awesome. she she changed up. It was incredible. Um, so that's why I mean, she kind of did an agator voice for uh, <laughs> the counterpart as well. Um, she I think read that's the- why I hear. It. She, she read the, the entire story. Man, I get when you're Zadie Smith, you get that much time. Dude, you do what you want. She she. She read the entire thing and like took her time. Like inflection, everything was mm. was spot on. Like she didn't rush. Nothing. It was good. It was good shit. Uh, she was definitely the keynote of that. Um, but yeah, this was submitted by the Paris Review. Uh, I got it uh, immediately after the reading. Picked it up. Um, you can purchase it wherever. But we are gonna get into it. So she breaks her corset, and then the rest of the story basically centers around her trekking through New York. In the snow, apropos for today, um, to go to this corset shop she knows and um, and pick a new one up. Um, and so some of the first things I noticed were Zadie doesn't uh, immediately tell you that she's drag queen. Right. You have to you have to kind of figure that out. Um, she gives you hints and clues along the way. It's not like she's disguising it. Right. Um, there's a number of them. And it's funny because, you know, some of these stories that you read. Uh, and we've talked about this before, uh, our formulaic, uh, a lot of flash now, yeah. uh, a lot of short stories. You, you kind of see where it's going and it's almost like you're meant to like 
figure it out, you know, and, and, uh, but this reveal is, is really just focused on, um, not just that you're finding out that she's, uh, a drag queen, but also all these other conflicts, uh, that, that are present aging, right. Living in New York city, um, itself and, and, and racism, like all these things, um, and bigotry in general, right. Because she's drag queen. Right. Um, and so all these things just get this slow burn, the slow reveal. So, um, I don't know how you guys felt about that. I I caught myself at times cause I was reading it really critically this time. Um, going, okay, right. I, I, I get that right. She's untaped, right. A couple pages in, you're like, okay, I, I get it now. Uh, and then they, they keep coming. She looks like her father looked at, 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 at yeah, I was just going to say that it was a, you know, you talk about indicators, you know, trying to point you to, um, Miss Adele is obviously, uh, a man in, in form. Um, and that was the one when, when she's filling out in all the same ways that her father did. And, and I know it's, it's sort of innocuous, but also like, I think just before that or just after that, she mentions um, the twin brother. Right. So. Yep. Uh, ju- uh, it's a little bit after that. The twin yeah. brother comes pretty late. Late. Um, but, but yeah, it, it, it is after that that she mentions him. And um, it's funny because the she's like become a Republican mm-hmm. <laughs> in the, in the, in the course of it, which is pretty wild considering. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think, I don't think it's, I don't know. What did you guys think? Did you think that was genuine when she starts saying she wants the mayor back, the old mayor back <laughs> and she wants, she wants old New York back basically. Like, uh, but you, she, she wants that back. But at the same time, she says that she doesn't, that she's all about the gentrification. She's well, all about this new. Did you ever have uh, an older relative, um, say, oh, you're just liberal now because you're young. No, um, I've had that happen, and it, it seems to me like this this story sort of follows suit in that um, perhaps liberal people are liberal because they really like the time, the life and times they're in, and then when those things shift, they want to go back to that, and therefore you want to be a little more uh, conservative in your ways. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, I I bought it immediately um, just because I've seen people who's like, I, I used to, I was a lifelong Democrat and now I'm a, I'm a Republican because I da 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 and all that nonsense. Um, I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, yeah. because that would be gross. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Cause you know, um, she, she doesn't seem to be able to fake it as well as she thinks she, had, she does or as well as she says she is. Um, I, I wrote down a note like fake it till you make it. How long does that last? Like how long can you really do it? Yeah. Because if we remember, there's that one part where she comes across the tourists mm-hmm. uh, from London, I believe. Yep. Uh, and she's, she's uh, kind of pumps herself up and carries herself real well. Uh, and, and then the second she turns the corner and they're gone, she like lets her gut hang out. It's like, oh. yeah. like you can see her like breathing that out. And um, I thought that was one of the real key things here is, is, is the diction and the imagery she creates. Um, because when, when we're looking at like the words she's using as indicators, she crafts phrases in ways that are never my first, second, third to like seventh instinct Mm -hmm. to create, right. She's just the way that she puts things together. Um, you know, it's, I I don't know. There, there's, there's a million different, different examples. The untaped really, really caught, caught me, but also, um, there was another one where uh, she says Miss Adele was the same age um, or almost as old as the president, which mm-hmm. you have no idea the race of Miss Adele at all. But when she says that, 
it gets you started thinking about that yep. because it's the first black president at the time this was written. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, you're immediately now picking up on all these other details that she put in earlier in the story where you go, oh, well, if she's black, then that has a much, a much deeper meaning now. Right. And if she's in her 40s or, you know, which she is, uh, then then all of this has a much deeper meaning yep. now. And, and she's aging and in, in this way and she's battling that. So well, um, Smith also interjects the higgledy piggledy. Yeah. Which I thought was hilarious. And also just below that, um, waxing lyrical about the good old bad old days. Mm-hmm. Which, I know, that's a uh, sort of a, a simple thing, but I, I like that. I liked it. I, I like it because... <laughs> it re- claw that I, I put like, What is that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like crystal ball, yeah. Uh, I, I like it because it resonates. Like I think of all the venues in Philly that have closed and, and how... like. Years ago, uh, and this is even before our time, but like Center City was a ghost town on the weekends and on mm-hmm. Friday, you know, on, after five at any time. And now we have sips and we have all these all these things. Um, and even when I lived in, in New York, you know, over, God, uh, 15 years ago now, um, like Brooklyn was just coming up and it was still scary and dangerous and stuff like that and i remember going going in there for shows and basements and stuff um and all this all this stuff and i that really hits because yeah it's scary and i feel like we we get that sense of relief when we go to a place that's still pretty hip and cool but we feel safe but we kind of yearn for when it was scary cuz there's mm-hmm. a little bit more of a thrill there like and the I north think, star bar exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah you know that's where i mean good riddance Oh man, come uh, on! Fuck that, dude. <laughs> that was <laughs> awesome. I love the North Star. I remember bar. going to a I, show in freshman year of college, being terrified because yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it was the <laughs> shittiest neighborhood. It was the shittiest club. Oh, now it's three hundred fifty thousand dollars at least. I know. At, for and that neighborhood, there, I mean, yeah. it's crazy now. Yes. But like you used to go there, it was like a punk show, and you yeah, felt like always. hell. Yes, I'm a punk going to a punk show. It should feel this way. That um, Foxy Shazam. Right there, saw them there. Jill used to be a waitress there. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's where me and Jill met at Langhorn Slim. Uh, and, and so, uh, Foxy Suzanne, I saw the Bronx there twice. Nice. Yeah, dude. Dude, the lead singer pulled Mike up onto the stage and then tossed him back. <laughs> <laughs> I saw uh, uh, Brendan Kelly of the Lawrence Arms get shitty drunk before the show, <laughs> be incoherent whilst talking during the show, but hitting every note in his, on his, with his voice and with his bass. And then at one point, um, placing his beer in the wall and then, <laughs> and then saying that you could hide dildos in there. <laughs> um, so, that makes sense. Yeah. That's, that's about par for the course there. Yeah, I, I remember playing a show there and being very concerned about bringing my gear out and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. But I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, I, I totally understand that. And she, she talks about how, you know, uh, when you're young uh, and, and, and stuff like that, that like... <sighs> You had this certain perception of of yourself, and 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 you know your ass fits into a tube top and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. like, now it doesn't, and and you're breaking corsets. I think it's a real like the broken corset is 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 the broken corset, whatever. But I I think it is obviously a much larger thing. Sure. Yeah, um, maybe a little heavy handed, but yeah. Right, right, yeah. and that was the thing I was gonna say. Did we did we think that the the symbolism of the of the corset is 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 over the top? Because I don't know much about drag queens. It's becoming increasingly, increasingly more popular, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of TV shows and stuff like that. Um, and, and 
but the corset is ever present. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and, and it's always there. So I, I think, was it more just she very smartly made a calculated choice and it could appear heavy handed if we're, because well, I know I was reading it really critically. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's, it could just be a fucking corset. Right. You know, a drag queen wears a corset and an interesting story uh, would not be if, if she got a, a runner in her stocking. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, or broke a heel. So, right. You know, what is the symbol of a drag queen? Well, it's... You know, right. I don't know if, of course, it's the symbol of a drag queen as much as, like, I don't know, a wig or makeup, but it's... Well, the corset takes one shape and makes it another. Yeah. More ideal shape. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and I, it, it has, like, a lot of uh, historical context, too. Like, you don't really think of uh, corset in terms of, like maybe like exotic dancers or something. Like, I feel like there's a lot to say in the the history of the corset and what it's doing to make a woman look a certain way uh, in society's eyes, you know? Well, yeah, that was the next thing I was going to get into is, is there's all these comments about um, men as well, like men being wallpaper. I thought that was another really awesome uh, phrase that she threw in there. Yep. Men are just wallpaper. Her father, right? Also, mm-hmm. just embodying patriarchy, and 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 he's this this preacher who doesn't practice what he preaches in any any way, shape, or form. Uh, and the mother is this hardworking real estate person. Um, and so I, I don't know. I feel like when we're talking about the 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 corset and just this um, women uh, man sort of dichotomy, there we're we're trying to kind of figure out um, is there an ideal? I guess and and. I would argue that the argument that's being made here by Smith is that, um, yeah, that, that the, if there's an ideal and if we're talking about strength, uh, it would be more with, uh, women than it is with men here. Um, because throughout the story, all we see is, uh, strong women, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? I don't think we see, we, we just see sort of weak minded men, uh, who 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 act on their sort of like um, inadequacies? There we go. There we go. Got it. And that's that, that's what I was looking for. Their righteousness and rage. Right. Are we are we looking at uh, Miss Adele as a woman or or as a man? Well, I this? take I take Smith's point of view, uh, and most I, th- I think is that if she is calling herself by the pronoun she, then as a woman, right. But I think that obviously the duality has to be it is acknowledged in the story and has to sure. be acknowledged in the reading. Yeah, but um, who? When is it acknowledged? It's acknowledged by, by the, the dude at the course. Yeah, the store. clerk. Yeah, or the, the owner, owner of the I think, store. Yeah, who's yeah. a dick about it? Yeah, yeah. And so then, like, if you acknowledge it, you're a dick. Is kind of what, <laughs> you know. What well, I mean, well, it, I mean that guy in and of himself is 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 sitting there quiet and scornful, listening to some um, angry. Uh, radio program um, berating his wife and as soon as Miss Adele says anything then well I didn't I didn't mean anything by that right I didn't say anything yeah and 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 I really that I thought was a really excellent part because Miss Adele flies off the handle yep goes goes nuts um, with all these assumptions and even says near the uh, while it's happening is like cognizant of um, uh, it's so easy to like assume and, and, and take it too far. Um, and, and, but she continues to do it anyway. Yep. And, and he is definitely like, like what would have happened, right? If, if, if she backed off 
and and didn't take it to the max like that. Well, um, she probably would have walked out, not eating shit because she runs out, mm-hmm. right? But that that sort of like niggling guilt would have just ate and ate and ate at her. Yeah. I yeah. feel like that she didn't say something or she didn't, even though she knew. But it's so easy. I love. I think that for me was really the largest. The largest takeaway was that we have this situation that all of us have seen in one way or another. Where we know what's going on. We are fully aware that this person is talking shit. And you don't say anything. And you don't say dick, yeah. right? This person is talking shit, and you don't say anything. And it's about you, or it's about this person, mm-hmm. right? But you know what's happening, and and it it's just like. So everybody's comfortable. Like, why? Why don't we say anything? We 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 don't say anything because we we don't want to upset the herd because we want to keep things copacetic. And it's I don't know. It's it's just that that really that really hit me um, because I don't know. It just it just speaks to a very large truth. I think. Can, can I play devil's advocate? Sure. So the the husband, the the clerk, the guy that mm-hmm. owns the shop. Um, do we ever learn where he's from? Where they're from? I believe it's, is it in a Russian? Uh, am I wrong? I thought it was a Russian. Yeah, I think you might be right. Because um, um, she's like, the, the, and this is the other thing. We're getting it through that limited third, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's very much uh, Mrs. Dell's own prejudices that, that shine their way through. He sure. could have been listening to like some Dostoevsky fucking reenactment. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. And getting heated, passionate about it. Exactly. Um, so the question about it, his, him, I we have his name. What is his name? That Mr. A, Alexander mis, is, it? is how he's referred to. Okay. Yeah. Is Mr. And that's, he, he, his name comes from his wife's name. Uh, how, right. How, how she knows the wife is, is yeah. how she names him. Is Mr. Alexander, who's not from America, who is clearly not uh, uh, assimilated as well as maybe, you know, Miss, even Miss Adele wants him to be, is... Should he be so aware of gender politics? Right, right, like, right, right. Or is is Miss Adele, uh, you know, projecting because she realizes she's losing it? Yeah, you know, as far as looks and and the end of her career. And she whatever. goes, "Fuck it, I'm going all in." Yeah. So could she that just be projection? You know, like it's possible. It's like, good. It's good. You're fucking talking about me, and it's like, dude, like, hey, man, I fucking own a shop that sells these things. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. How how fucking weird can I actually really be about someone buying one of these things that I'm selling? Well, you know, and she brings religion into it, right? That's where we start to get the reveal about her father, and 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 she brings religion into it. She 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 makes the assumption that uh, Mr. Alexander's Jewish, mm-hmm. and that he hates her. Um, he 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 can't touch her because she's unclean. She's unclean. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she, and Miss Adele says something about not being Islamic. Like I'm not one of them. Uh, and mm-hmm. I forget what exactly she says, but she, she basically, um, all, all, all her assumptions, uh, complicate things. She assumes that the, the girl, Wendy, who's helping is a migrant worker, an immigrant worker who's right. underpaid and stuff like that. And she's like, no, I'm an NYU student. Yeah. And so we start to see Miss Adele unravel and, and, yeah. and that all these, all these, uh, sort of her own prejudices come out with perhaps actual prejudice that she's encountering. Mm-hmm. But one wonders, is it because she's been beaten for so long just for being her, right? Because mm-hmm. she's um, assumedly queer, right? Uh, African-American uh, drag queen. 
I mean, that's a number of things that you're probably going to get a lot of shit for for right. a really long time. And, you know, uh, is it, I guess your point is, is it justified because uh, she's basically, she could be just making an assumption about a guy who literally has no... Could Miss Adele be the actual piece of shit in this story? <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I'm going to say the only thing that, that really pushes me, or one of the main, big things that pushes me to say no, um, is the way that he's interacting with his wife because mm-hmm. right. that clearly seems antagonistic um abusive uh, a bit could uh, they both be pieces of shit can we meet i, them? I would uh, i mean that's where i would go that, that both uh, of them have inherent prejudices yeah i like the um sophistication of pieces of shit <laughs> well that's what we do here <laughs> yeah I, I i i guess yeah it's it's the world's changing around her, like you were saying, back to your yeah. original point, right? The world's changing around her, and what maybe in the 80s would have been an underpaid yeah. migrant worker is now an NYU student. Right. And what would have been a super prejudiced uh, Russian-Jewish Orthodox man is is now just a dude, perhaps. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and so so I agree. Um, I, I think I, – I, I really do think that uh, – that ambiguity is what makes it a good story, yeah. frankly, um, because right. she touches on on quite a bit there. It's definitely a lot of a lot of a. Uh, it's a multifaceted piece of work. You can get a lot out of it. So, yep. Yeah. 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 I know. There's this thing. This thing should be in the push cart. <laughs> oh wait, I could. Yeah, I was actually surprised that the the Paris Review was considered a small press, um, because yeah, isn't it gigantic? Yeah, it's not like Bloomsbury though, or something, or you know, or the New Random Yorker House. Yeah. Well, New Yorker, you can. They're, they're they're in there, aren't they? No, no. Um, but uh, one of the other things that I really I really really liked and I think contributes to this is um, Rome says, "Enjoy me, London, survive me, New York, give me all you got." Yeah, and it's such a thrill until it becomes a burden, is what Miss mm-hmm. Adele says, and I, I think that's so so interesting for the comment the commentary on what it's like to be a artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's how Miss Adele sees herself. Um, and when uh, she's there in New York performing, I bet when she's on stage, all this shit goes away. Mm-hmm. And now she can't go on stage anymore. I think she's coming to grips with the fact that her escape is no longer a possibility in the way that it was before. Sure. I bet people don't want to come out and see her nearly as much as they used to. I think she's... I mean... If she was doing well, well, I, I think that she would be taking better care of herself and not eating like that mm-hmm. stuff that's making her bust open a corset. You know, I think yeah. she's really becoming like all this crap, the way that she got through it is no longer a possibility. And she's it's setting in that it's no longer a possibility for her. Um, and so I think she feels kind of like sucked dry by by the city and, 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 and that she's coming to grips with, with, with aging and, and, and this, because give me all you got means you're not going to have anything left if you do that. Right. Um, and and I, I, I don't know. I thought that was a real, really, really strong, uh, commentary that she makes there because that's what just about, I think everybody, no matter what industry you're in, right. Artists kind of always are, are dealing with that in a way like just bleeding themselves dry mm-hmm. for, for their art and stuff like that. But now you look around and if you're a marketer, 
they're squeezing blood from a stone. If you're, you know, whatever mm-hmm. your, your occupation is, teacher, all that, um, there, this, this 21st, uh, century, uh, America is, is bleeding you dry for those dirty American dollars that she ends with. Right? That was, that's great. Dirty American dollars. I love that line. Yeah. She'd paid for her goods in dirty green American dollars and was only taking what was rightfully hers. Yeah, yeah that's a good ending. It's great because it also speaks to the fact that everybody who's going to see her is going to assume by the way she looks and what she's doing that she's stolen that. Mm-hmm. And without context, those assumptions are made. Right. Mm-hmm. And true for the people making them. Exactly. Right. Just like her assumptions. Yeah. Yeah. Just like hers. Yeah. Absolutely. What would the teacher's equivalent be of the corset? Our like, corset? Yeah, like we were busting out of it. We had to go buy a new one. We can't, we can't keep it in. My pants. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> Knowing that I'm gaining weight, you jerk. <laughs> right, right, right. Let's look at more metaphorically. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I know I that. Yeah. Uh, if you got to explain a joke, then it's not funny, so... <laughs> We all laughed. All right, so it we'll, was only somewhat pitying. Um, <laughs> no, I think the, I, I, I think for for us, it's 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 to want to do something creative and something fun and something engaging, mm-hmm. uh, and and continuing to do that, um, that kind of kind of bleeds you bleeds you dry, you know. Because like, you're giving so much when it's you know at school, and the the what comes back from that is, is very, very little. In fact, that'll yeah. rarely, if ever get noticed. I was just yeah. going to say teaching is exceedingly thankless in a lot of ways. And yeah. Um, like you, you hope you're doing a good job, right? But you don't really know. And then if you're lucky enough to have a student to come up and tell you, you did a great job and thank you and all that kind of stuff. Um, you're like, wow, that was great. Yeah. But that was just one. Right. And next week on Sad Teacher Cast, <laughs> I can't believe Gary's having tuna again. <laughs> oh, isn't that two days in a row for the same Tupperware? <laughs> Gary, gonna eat mercury. Um, All right. So, in any case, <laughs> back back to the story. Back to the story. <laughs> I I think I think it's 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 I don't know. Um, Beyond that, needing context, making assumption, and, and stuff like that, um, I think one of the last things is uh, you, it, you talk about dignity mm. and, and keeping your dignity intact. Because she eats shit, right? She runs. Yeah, she cuts up her face on the sidewalk. Yeah, she runs out with the corset that she's paid for, and dirty greenbacks, and and it's snowing, and she just she just slips and eats shit. She smashes mm. her face up. Um, which is also her money maker, if we, you know, mm-hmm. right? And 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 so, you know, how do you how do you keep your dignity intact after years of war, where essentially she, every time she got on the subway, I'm sure every time she walked anywhere for years, she is at war with everybody looking at her, and and making their assumptions and 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 you know their own prejudices coming coming out, whether it's through a look, whether it's through a side remark mm-hmm. that she can't hear. Or whether it's through an overt statement to her face. And I think one of the things that also we haven't talked about yet is that everybody's dead. Her lovers, her friends, right? She was around in the 80s, so the AIDS epidemic mm-hmm. wiped most of them out, you know, she remembers. And 
she's she, she her her support system and then her release which is performing both of those have essentially gone away so she's alone it seems essentially disintegrating exactly yeah yeah much like the corset which i think in the beginning is stated as disintegrating Nicely done, Daniel. I think it really does say something close to that, if not that exact phrase. Um, after all these years, right? It's it's come apart. Yeah, uh, but in any case, that's that that I thought was a, a pretty profound takeaway because it just gets slipped in there. Um, the fact that everybody's dead. Yep. You know, and she's kind of the last man standing, or woman, as it were. Whoa, right. man. Whoa, man. <laughs> <laughs> um so if we and speaking of teaching if we were to teach this right because i frankly i don't know about you guys and what you think i enjoy teaching texts like this that kind of push students perceptions of their world and and what they what they know like chuck palahniuk's um zombie i like to teach that's a great um, story too yeah it came out in playboy right so it has that connotation yeah. off the bat but that's it's it, it's a great story and and you know this one if i were if i were to teach it some of the i i mean really what i would teach this in ideally would be like if we were doing a creative writing unit because mm-hmm. i think that her diction her word choice here um is fantastic yeah and how do you and 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 honestly character development how do you really fully develop a character in what 12 pages to the point where we can have this long of a discussion about it and 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 probably still i mean we're missing probably 70 percent of this character yep you know and the characters you know it's it's an other as well exactly yeah so as as a creative writing exercise that's that's good you know you know the the write what you know shit gets a lot of boring shit yeah yeah exactly yep exactly yeah um, I totally agree. That so so, I, and and I don't have a really long thing about this. But if I were to teach it, I would absolutely focus on how does Smith build this character, and and what do you end up knowing, right? What is uh, Miss Adele's world, and 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 what makes Miss Adele Miss Adele? And I guarantee a student would come away with five to ten pages of shit from this that they can yeah. flesh out. Oh, there's so much there that's not there. Exactly. Uh, it's so. Smith doesn't say or tell you anything, right? More minimally, anything, um, and and it's it's sort of masterful like that because in terms of uh, developing a character, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's why I mean that's why I love her. Frankly, I I just I, I think she's absolutely fantastic. Still funny, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, was, it was it was still funny, and uh, that was the other thing. Maybe she did that actually. She does have an apartment, I'm pretty sure, in New York City, but I mean. This is like a resident for a long time or a master writer would, would be able to do this right. because you, you really, you get so much. It's like, how could you not have lived it? You know, that kind of thing. It was, it's like the anti-New York story. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of. But that's real. That's New York though. Yeah. But that's my, yeah. that's my point. Like you get the. But it's not the cool How I Met Your Mother New York. Exactly. You get the liberal bullshit. white guy. Yeah. <laughs> the right. The neoliberal white guy talking about New York. Um, and, and this is the exact opposite. Yeah, it seems like yeah. 1982 Times Square. Yeah. Right. Well, the thing about this is it's, it's, there's no name dropping. Yeah. Which is that unfortunate new New York thing that, that yeah. has been happening for the past 20 years or so. Yeah. Uh, even, that's, that's annoying as shit. I, I 
I despise it. Um, I'm going to officially dub this Daniel's shit cast. I think that's the 15th <laughs> time I've said shit. Yeah. <laughs> Ep one was was Nick's fuck cast. <laughs> Ep oh, five, Dan's shit cast. Um, <laughs> it's the end of the day, man. Yeah. <laughs> My vocabulary yeah. is diminished. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, no, I, I, that rounds it out for me. I think yeah. that, that's, that's, that is, to teach it that would be my my major takeaway and and uh i think it's i think it's absolutely fantastic first story in the uh in the anthology for the push cart 40th edition i'd take it a step further i'd make my kids wear corsets <laughs> <laughs> and then go shop for new ones yeah just to engage fully yeah yeah and, get uh, in it they can mail me their their reports i guess to jail. No, that's your yeah. That's you the first. That's the first place you'll go. Absolutely. <laughs> going to jail. You made them wear what? <laughs> <laughs> this is a policeman. Uh, <laughs> He's going to billy club you to, yeah. into submission now. <laughs> you like wearing corsets, Mister DeFrank? <laughs> they all just come back and beat you up and put them all on you. I, can't, I, can't, I, can't. I wore high heels to school once. Did you really? It was for a, uh, a cancer fundraiser a few years ago. And I was like, if they raise this much money. You know, I would do this. Oh, and my nice. thing was, I'll wear high heels to school. That must have been impossible for a full day. I did not wear them for a full day. I wore them for <laughs> the first 10 minutes of each class. And that's still pretty solid. That's, that's a full period. They're, they're very tough to walk in. They're very <laughs> yeah. tough to, to go and buy. <laughs> <laughs> I would like a pair of high heels, please. I need you to help me with this purchase. <laughs> I, had, I had an opposite Miss Adele moment because I bought them at Kohl's and they'll let you return fucking anything. So I, Even... I bought them. It took about a half an hour, 40 minutes just trying to get... See, it's weird. I, I found a pair that fit, but I was like, I don't know if I like these. <laughs> so, <laughs> Can you just picture them? Yeah. With it like pulling up his slacks looking in the mirror? <laughs> so, Ooh, my calves do look great. <laughs> so I ended up getting a nice, a nice pair. Um, <laughs> Get yourself a nice wedge. They matched my tie. Um, I think they were right. I've got a picture somewhere. We can maybe put that on the uh, Instagram. Yeah, that's so good. So, so a couple of days after. later, I was like, "Well, I don't need these. They don't fit. They don't fit my wife." You know. I don't. So I took them back, and I was like, just walked up. And I was like, oh, "I'd like to return these." It's like, "Okay, here's the receipt." She takes my. She's like. Oh, these have been worn. I was like, not by me, they haven't. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, way to fucking play it cool, Dan. Yeah, Dan. <laughs> but the lady, uh, she she just like didn't say anything after that. She just like, <laughs> she shut down. Like, just, oh, what yeah. about the transaction? So, like, <laughs> they probably have training for that. Yeah. yeah. So it's probably like she knew I wore them. <laughs> right. right. Oh, definitely. <laughs> right. Are you kidding me? That kind of reaction? What is that? Want? They probably have video. They're probably watching video of me trying on <laughs> pairs of shoes. For... And then choosing a different pair. The, yeah. That was probably like her inner dialogue while she was, her mouth was saying, these have been worn was, that's the dude from the video. <laughs> I was just, I was picturing a really like a Seinfeldian moment where they bring you in a back room and show you the footage and you're just like, kick, 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 Oh man. That's awesome. Yeah, I returned them and uh, got my money back. It's a bold move, Cotton. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, what are you eating that sixteen fifty? <laughs> I thought a specific number would be funny. Like yeah. I had done it, but I didn't say anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's still funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Uh, good stuff. Do we want to get into the to the album? Let's do that. Uh, the EP? Yeah, the EP. Is that st- I think it's still an album. Sure. Uh, no, it's an EP. It's an extended play. Well, it's a short. It's a short. It's 30-something minutes long. But well, EP stands well, for extended play. And it, Yeah, which was supplemental material that came after the LP originally, but now it's like where bands start. Yes. Yeah, yeah when you did your top five debut albums, you picked EPs. I did. So... What are we? What, what's our definitions here, buddy? Well, because the definition is literally the 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 formal definition of what an EP was the extended play, which was not B sides so much, but it was extra material. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's interesting is, but is that a debut album? So now, so so before it wouldn't have been no. Okay. When it when EP was first going, no, it wouldn't have been. But now that's why, like the Mars Volta, for instance, yeah. that was their debut album. Right. Was yeah. their EP? It was right. three. It was three things. Uh, three songs. Uh, and and it was extra of nothing because it was the first right. of everything. Right. So an album can be an LP or an EP, is what you're saying. Essentially, now. Well, that's, also, that's I, I think about punk at. records, for instance. You could have 14 punk tracks that clock in under 30 minutes. Yeah, and, we we just Green album was 32 minutes, 33 minutes. Right. So right. I mean, if you it, those well, they would put out a million seven inches, right? Right. Like Jay Retard, like he only put out seven inches forever. Right. right. Like four songs, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know. Like the lines between what an EP and an LP is or should be or was uh, really blurred right now yeah. um uh, which is which is great uh, yeah, yeah. Um, as long as people feel like hey i got these like three great songs right i'm right. gonna put them out instead of putting out putting out nine songs on an album called broken that are total shit but oh uh, damn dude. oh my god i think we need i think we need more beers for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i will i will i will dispute that wholeheartedly and here's why you're uh and this this isn't here's why here's why is is i love it i think it's fucking great and 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 one of the one of the biggest reasons why is because so this is nine inch nails right so nine inch nails 1992 put out um their first major label release their first dp which was broken Right mm. comes after Pretty Hate Machine. Pretty Hate Machine comes out in '89 on TVT Records, indie label, uh, and then those That's guys. Are... So here's the thing: <laughs> I don't think a it holds up nearly as well as Broken, and b I think it's like uh, and was labeled by TVT as synth pop. I think it's a little too poppy. I think it's a little too polished. Uh, and Broken comes off their tour. Mm-hmm. of pretty hate machine and it is raw and it is Sleazy. heavy and it is filthy i mean Sleazy. he says yeah. fist fuck uh, that yeah you know what i mean like in the in the yes and, he and, does and here's the thing about it is uh wish wins the grammy yeah and then it's a slow year a couple years later a <laughs> couple years later uh the live version from woodstock 94 of happiness and slavery also wins the grammy yeah and so it's a very muddy year Here's the thing. Both 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 were the Here Grammy. Here goes antagonizing folk again. Both, both were the Grammy. <laughs> but he, Tootsie. He, <laughs> it's Tootsie. You wore uh, high heels. <laughs> so, I didn't even know that. It was almost prophetic. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, the thing is, so so Wish and Happiness and Slavery both win the Grammy for uh, best metal song, <laughs> which What's is crazy. Not- which is yeah. crazy. Like that's abs- that's well, because he's crazy. Well, this yeah, is what that, happens when you when the you're genre on a, didn't exist yet, though, right? Well, the genre I would argue did, but it did underground, yeah. right? So, like industrial, I think 
you know, Trent really brings to the forefront. Yeah. Um, but you have ministry, you have KMFDM, you have Big Black, all right, doing it years and years before in the early 80s and stuff like that. Um, and so obviously the ministry influence, I think, is huge. Like, I, I love ministry. Um, I, I, I love this music. When I was a kid, I first was getting into music. This was the music that I listened to. I listened to weird, factory-sounding dance rock music, I guess you would call it, uh, which eventually became industrial. So this is th- these are like my first loves, essentially. Yeah. Um, and and so, Daniel's shitting on them. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but but I, this is a very Nick episode too, right? I think I did. I pick everything. I did. Uh, yeah. This is a Nick episode. This is a very yeah. Nick episode. And that's probably why I got fucked eight times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so here's the here, sixth reschedule. Yeah. The sixth, sixth reschedule for sure. Um, so here's the thing. I, I do. I, I want to hear you guys. Yeah. Do you think it holds up? No. Um, I'm gonna, I'm, do you want to go first? I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a pretty straightforward. Yeah. Uh, nah. No, no. Here's the reason. I don't think it, I don't think it, it doesn't hold up, but I don't think it does hold up either. I, I feel you gotta that, clarify I'm, that. I'm, I'm working on it. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that Pretty Hate Machine is is better. I think okay. the songs are better. Uh, when you put that album on, it's like, yeah, I like this. There was a vision, and these things happened. Right. And then you have um, uh, a Broken, and then there was another one that came out, like a live something another ep that came out after that well fixed is the remastered broken okay um ah clever yeah. and then <laughs> oh, fucking trent reznor <laughs> and actually i like i like nine inch nails yeah uh, <clears throat> so then the downward spiral came out in 94 and yeah. then you know looking back you've got pretty hate machine with these great songs on it and then uh downward spiral which which is their best album i think that is nine inch nails best effort um, I feel that Broken was just like cleaning the pipes, getting all the shit out, trying new things, branching a little bit off of Pretty Hate Machine, but you know, moving towards this this new sound. It definitely was moving towards yeah. a new sound. So yeah. when you when you when you look at uh, a Downward Spiral, and then even the, what the fuck is up with Trent Reznor? He's got to re-release like a hundred things for each thing he the thing he does. He can't. Well, that's because of the feud with TVT. Is it? Oh yeah, he got he got super fucked with that. So so that's all thing. This is it was a fifteen year feud with TVT, um, and so the way that he got out of it and was able to have his own imprint on Interscope, which is Nothing Records, right? That's the nine inch nails by exclusive. releasing a hundred variations of giving that shit to TVT. Yeah. Uh, so that's how he was able to have nothing by saturating the market <laughs> by by essentially giving them his recycled shit. Well, that explains a lot. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, so that's, that's how he was able to have nothing. And, and if you look, uh, one of the, I love this, one of the liner notes, because the feud happened for broken mm-hmm. broken came out on Interscope. It was his first major label, uh, because they literally told him you need to put out another pretty hate machine for guys like Daniel DeFranco. <laughs> and if you don't, if you don't make another pretty hate machine, you're fucked, right? That's, that's, we own you. We own your name. And then further down the spiral came out, and, and it's ilk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, and so, what what he had to do was give extra shit or remasters or remixes, whatever, yeah. to TVT to put out because he was bound by it. It was like a slave trade where he got moved from TVT to Interscope, but with this caveat. 
And it's all, you know, I mean, like that's yeah. what that's what was happening essentially. I did not know um, that. And so what's interesting is at the end in the credits and like the thank yous, I'm broken. I don't know if you saw it. Um, it says, "No thanks, Colin. You know who you fucking are." <laughs> and that's directed right at TVT, which I think is great because he was working with this dude, uh, this English producer, Flood. Mm-hmm. And that's how this how this came out. But what I what I would say is my favorite Nails album. It, they're f- so good live, and that's why I think I like this. I'm always I'm more of a live person too if it's good. Uh, and Nails is a incredible live. This comes off that tour, and so that's why it's so much more uh, guitar driven, very very heavy, Which is a very um, aggressive. They they live drums yeah. like hardcore live drums. Like uh, you know, um, drum machine is there, but only as like you know, sort of a backbeat filler. Um, and I would argue that my favorite nails album is actually, um, uh, and all that could have been mm-hmm. that live one that has, uh, the, the second, uh, CD, which is uh, still, mm-hmm. which is all like the piano and the, and the lighter stuff. Um, and that's my favorite that, that those two together is, is my favorite nails album for sure. Um, but this is really reminiscent of that cause it's got that live fucking feeling and it's really fucking bass. Like gave up, Oh man, like I still I, I don't know. I don't think I've ever gotten past feeling those very simply well articulated angsty things that he says. Um but says better than just some angsty so, so the so childish like emo shit. Like it's not lyrically that. like I don't think he's ever been uh he he's a gifted lyricist. He says what he needs to the way he the way he wants to yeah and it works very well oh yeah uh, but musically i feel like it hits a it hits a tone and it just doesn't it doesn't break out of it it's just aggressive and songs maybe a little bit too long i think it works in extremes yeah because then you do have like still with something i can never have and all that could have been yeah. and and you know and ghosts right he has ghosts one through four which is completely instrumental yeah but that's like a it's, that's like 10 years later Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Fifteen years later, but, but that's what I'm saying. For, I, I feel like he 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 does like offset these things with yeah. in extremes though, like a completely piano driven instrumental mm-hmm. album versus broken, you know. And he and he and he puts those against one another. Hmm. Um, but you're right. It is it is a while later. Um, but he always does those little interludes and stuff too, mm-hmm. which I think are typically a little bit like washy and more melodic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, he's he's a pianist first, a pianist hmm. first. Um, yeah, I I I don't know. I I do love. I completely uh, get. I mean, did you listen to this when you were younger? Like not when it came out, but because I was like what eight when this came out. But um, yeah, I was I was of listening age. Like I was aware of Pretty Hate Machine. I was, I guess I was nine, and I. By the time I got to high school in 93, I knew Nine Inch Nails. Well, definitely. So, yeah, that's right before Downward Spiral. That yeah. Because Nine Inch Nails was, was, was huge. Like my buddy Chad, his older brother, Dean, uh, introduced me to like, I knew I liked Nails mm-hmm. and I knew I had heard some ministry and some KMFDN, but then they gave me all the albums, yeah. like all of them, because uh, their older brother had been into them like in the height. And um, that just blew my dome apart like i i I was like it's like you find your tribe you know that's 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 where you 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 get it and uh yeah man i i definitely i don't know yeah a friend of mine ran away from his house before before high school that summer and he kind of camped out at my house nice and i lied to his parents and i felt 
I didn't, I didn't feel actually bad at all because I was a kid, you know, so my buddy. <laughs> but later, later Spanish. on, I realized, like, that was the wrong thing to do. <laughs> They're probably terrified. Yeah. <laughs> but he'd always come by, like, at night, you know, let him in the back door. And I don't know where he'd fucking go throughout the day, but he always had these tapes. Oh, nice. And, like, when I was, like, put the stuff on, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, it's Nine Inch Nails. I don't nice. know. It might have been, been broken. Yeah. You know? Might have been pretty hate machine. Well, that's the but, thing I was going to say because uh, I think it was Chad's brother, Dean, had broken and there was nothing cooler when you were a kid than watching the numbers just go up yeah. and nothing's happening mm. except the numbers are going up because what you go from track six to track 98 uh-huh. on this. I you know something's like, coming. That's so fucking cool. And the anticipation something's is coming. Huge. And then you get Adam ant. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. I've never heard Adam ant like this before. Uh, I, that, I mean, that's a great cover. You get those two covers. What's interesting is this, was an EP with an EP in it when it got first released. It had a three-inch mini disc, uh, mini CD. Get out of here. In it, and that had the two covers of the Pig Face song uh, "Suck" and um, and Adam Ant. Um, uh, you're so physical, <laughs> physical oh, to me. Uh, yeah. So it, it, those those are the two uh, that show up in the end. I always I always thought that was so fucking badass. Just numbers skipping. <laughs> seconds of silence just going yeah. by you just wait for it and then it hits i like the um, uh, besides the skip the the super long track at the end oh yeah. right like it's like track nine is is like 42 minutes long yeah and it's over and you just it just keep going keeps so going. here we go uh uh secret song that you remember uh mm. one that one that hits you in the plums, if you will. <laughs> Probably the, the first one that uh, off of Nirvana's Nevermind. There was one at the end. I don't even know what, what it's called, but I know it was at the end. Yeah, it's it's um On a Plane is the actual is an actual song that's listed on the track, right? Mm-hmm. Track listing. But there's there is that last one. Oh, it's well, like some, a slow like Well something in the way is the last song. Something in the way, yeah. And then there's a I, am I making this up? Am I inventing history? There is, and I'm pretty sure there's a secret yeah. song at the end. Yeah, I, yeah. Okay. I had no idea actually. And if if I'm making that up, my second one would be a song called um, uh, "The Frames Did It." It was after uh, shit. What album? This is not a good story. You guys go. We cut this. I'll come back. Well, the the first <laughs> one that I uh, remember is Green Day Dookie. That was the same one. Yeah, I was the, all and by FOD. myself. Yeah. I was all by myself. <laughs> there was no one around. Uh, that's the first secret that's the first song one I remember that, too. that I remember. Yep. Uh, but I always thought that um, uh, the throwing copper, I always thought had one, but it was actually a listed track. It mm. just like took a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I thought that was a super cool thing that can't exist anymore because nobody buys. Right. And if they do, they're buying vinyl. Right. You're buying an album and um, you can't put a secret song on vinyl. Yeah, that's a, that's a shame because the, the secret yeah. track was always something that you were like, oh man, maybe there is one on this album and, and it was awesome when there was one. Yeah. yeah. You know? It's a very 90s thing. Well, it's I, a CD thing, you know? It, yeah. It, it could only be a CD thing. Which yeah. is cool. Like, that's a really yeah. fun uh, way to use the medium. And what's funny too about secret songs is like, 
uh, you immediately get that bias. That's like, oh, like that's my favorite song because that's cool as shit. Like, yeah, uh, uh, Queens of the Stone Age mosquito song. Oh, that, that's a good that, yeah, I, nice. I, Every time someone asked me about that album, I'd be like, mosquito song is the greatest song, and they had no idea what I was talking about because it was like a secret song. Yeah, it's that little bit of elitism because you, yeah, you, you are an album guy, and you've given yeah. the album a listen, the full yeah. listen. Yeah. You've listened to Dead Air, basically. I feel like that's a you've. A good elitism to have. I, I think so. Of all Being elitisms. an album listener? Yeah. 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 I would definitely... Like my, I, Don't be a best of guy. That's the... Yeah. yeah. I mean, guy. it's like, Unless yeah, it's I have... Uh, I'd like a few songs on that album. It's like, bro, did you listen to the album? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. if you did, you'd like more than a few. Well, that's... The, yeah, that's the thing, man. Because you put it together as a... As a... As its own, like... It has to be. Albums, it works together to be... All the songs work together to be its own... The best album... It's a... Yeah, ha- it's a they, they have a... They create an atmosphere... Yeah, the the you know that doesn't have to necessarily be thematically linked to be a full body of work. Yeah, um, and if it, if it happens to be thematically linked, that's even better because sure. you know there's a lot of forethought that go on. It's not a collection of songs; yeah. it's something more. Like yeah. these are the best that we could pick. What's, right. What's right? funny about that too is like that becomes less obvious. I feel like to to I guess people who don't listen to like non-album listeners like. Um, if you look at like the desert sessions with Josh Homme and and the whole collaboration of that, like especially as musicians and studio musicians, that's like I feel like obvious to just get together <laughs> in the desert and have an album that thematically I guess is just that location of a desert. Mm-hmm. But like, I, it's funny because that I don't really I haven't seen that. I guess maybe that's popular in jazz where you see it's like based well, in the location. Cigarose doesn't necessarily do that so much where it's the locate like a geographic sort of yeah. uh, thing but all their albums like are you can tell meant to be played on a record uh broken social scene i think does the same thing where it'll be like mm, and it'll come back <laughs> like that's how so- track 12 ends yeah. and it'll come back to track one i will say there's a i, I mentioned the lawrence arms Soundgarden does that yeah um if you've ever listened to the lawrence arms they're they're terrific punk band um but the their album, The Greatest Story Ever Told, is thematically linked. Um, each song has an interlude that will typically fade into the other. And it's based on uh, The Master and Margarita uh, by uh, Bulgakov. I do not know it. And, yeah, it's, and it's terrific. Um, start to finish, it's great. And uh, I mean, I guess writing an album like that sort of is the least punk thing about that album. <laughs> but it's a great record. Um and they do that a lot, so I, I just I love it when bands do that. Yeah. Um, and coming from a punk fan, that's sort of yeah the antithesis of punk. But what have you? Right. It's a, yeah. well, that's a very proggy thing to do. Yeah. That's a very dream theater thing to Rush. do. Rush. A very coheed I Cambria yeah. thing to do. I love that. Nothing band wrong with any of that. No. Yeah. <laughs> now I, I would like to and comment sometimes on everything on, wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would like to comment on Broken now, if I could. Oh yeah. yeah let me, of get, let me get my hidden track real quick. Okay. I found it. We can all edit this, right? Mike, make it seem coherent. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible. Uh, another another good hidden track is off the Frames 2001 album for the Birds. Not for the Birds. Let's try that again. No, it is called for the Birds. <laughs> <laughs> this is for the Birds. <laughs> I said it, and I was like, "Wait, that's an expression. That's not their album cover. That's not their album name." Um, so a, a good hidden track off the Frames 2001 album for the Birds is called Lusitania. It's about Ooh. the sinking of the Lusitania, and it there's just dead air, and then this beautiful song. Nice, it just, huh. and it, it's um, uh, an instrumental, so he's not even singing. Oh, nice. sweet, yeah. So, good nice. shit. That's all. Awesome. Recommend it. Yeah. So, give us your yeah. your take. All right. So, 
I uh, I never listened to industrial music when I was a kid. I think the closest thing I got to industrial music was that one Power Man 5000 album. This is what it's like when worlds collide. <laughs> exactly. See, I loved White Zombie, too. Yeah. Actually, White Zombie was, was like my brother. first one. Yeah. It's Zombie's it? brother, yeah. 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 I saw them Spider. in concert. Yeah, the arms. <laughs> the long fucking arms. It was great. <laughs> um, and, you know, as a kid, I loved that record. Um, which I, I can I occasionally go back to it and listen and be like, huh, okay. <laughs> uh, you just referenced Power Man 5000. I sure I did. Need to- <laughs> I sure did. Um, but, like, when I think of industrial, I think of Power Man 5000. Okay. First time I, I, I listened to this, I was like, oh, God, this is, I'm not going to have anything of, of merit to say. Because I hate it. He's more of a stabbing westward uh, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I, um, I, I think I listened to it six or seven guys <laughs> stabbing westward man. <laughs> oh uh, man! I think I listened to it five, six, or seven, maybe six or seven times. And um, I the last time was on my way here today, and uh, the third track last came on. Yeah, and I was like, this is really fucking good. I love this song because um, it's gonna... got that like, it's got that um, like southern butt rock riff to it. Yeah, um, and it also reminds me of uh, I don't know if you guys ever watched this, but um, Batman Beyond's soundtrack. It, it was a cartoon I... from the late nineties. Oh yeah, right. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah and yeah, yeah. the soundtrack was all industrial infused punk and metal. Yeah, that's when he's old, right? That's when Bruce is old and Terry McGinnis, yeah, the young kid, yeah, yeah, takes yeah, over yeah. Batman. It's yeah. that's killer, terrific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I watch it on the WB or the yeah. CW. I have it on it DVD. WB, I go yeah. through yeah. it uh, every couple of years. It's it's fantastic. But yeah, the soundtrack really of that series is so much like this, except the you know the um, it's not as 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 goddamn sleazy. I mean, this album is sleazy and makes me yeah. feel uncomfortable. Well, because it's directed at TVT. Yeah. Uh, and, well, I, I'll say, like, I like punk, and that can get pretty raw. Yeah. This is, like, the rawest shit <laughs> you how, can get. How much is, like, the video and your Reznor's, you know, persona where, like, you just feel like you're going to get syphilis by listening? I, I, that's, that's my first... There's I saw like the video like for... Uh, wet, there's, like, too much wet metal. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's yeah. always get fucking tetanus. wet. Yeah. yeah. Like, his hair's always greasy. And, like, yeah. muddy and yeah. shit. Like, he just came out of the bullet with butterfly yeah. wings. The uh, first um, video. It's, it's like what the Matrix orgy looks like after. <laughs> <laughs> the, he's um, been stomped into the ground. Yeah. <laughs> the, the first Nine Inch, Nine Inch Nails video I ever saw was uh, Starfuckers. Mm-hmm. Incorporated. Uh, yeah. And it was him in a limo being disgusting with manson yes yeah <laughs> so that's what i think of when i think of Reznor. but of course, yeah. I, I have to say like Reznor is a is a brilliant composer especially when it comes to his film scores i was thinking today coming here is like um uh the social network the film um there's three major contributing factors into that thing being actually anywhere close to good right um and it's david fincher aaron sorkin being good <laughs> which he hit or miss but when he hits he hits hard yeah um absolutely. and then um uh, it's uh resner it's resner's score totally. um and but you know coming from listening to you know being completely blown away by his score the scores of his films this is like second in my mind when it comes to resner right you know yeah i i think you know um I love him, so I obviously have a bias, but I also think 
when I when I think about like what he's able to do, so you have um, what's his name from Radiohead, who's who's kind of similar, yeah. can play every instrument. Greenwood. Uh, yeah, so so Johnny Greenwood can play every instrument. For instance, he does the the uh, soundtrack to There Will Be Blood, right? Yeah. And and he's and he's great. Um, and and so I hold those two kind of in in, in high esteem, uh, along with somebody like a um, like a like a prince. And in fact, mm-hmm. I actually in looking up a little bit uh, that I wasn't uh, you know familiar with um, about Trent. I found out that, uh, you know, like Pretty Hate Machine is so polished because it was polished over like a long time. First album, um, right? Uh, yeah, so it was really, really and he recorded um, every instrument except for the drums himself because he looked up to Prince and that was how Prince did it. Um, and so... That explains the um, fishnet stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, for sure. Um, and, and it's really interesting because he spent so much time in a studio mm-hmm. that he was he was familiar enough and that's that's where he, he, he was able to do that. Um, but I, again, I, I always go back to a band is only as good as they are live. And he's fucking badass live. Like I saw him on the With Teeth uh, tour at the Spectrum. I guess it was one of the last shows at the Spectrum. And it was incredible. 2008. Right, yeah, 2008. And um, what's his name? Josh Fries was the drummer. Uh, Ooh, vandals yeah dude totally and and um I, it, it was just blew my fucking does head he, apart does he pull drummers from punk bands because their current yeah. drummer i think island rubin yeah um played in a slew of punk bands totally yeah he he gets really really well he had the blonde dude in the beginning i yeah. always forget his name he's really good yeah he gets he gets really really tight it's funny because punk drummers i think because they have to play so fast are often human metronomes mm-hmm. so freesh is a metronome Grohl's a metronome yeah. um and so in any case um yeah i always i always go back to that and that's why i think i like the live albums the most because they're just fucking raw and and, and badass yeah. and, and i i do hold them up there and i was really surprised when i saw that that he kind of you know, looked up to Prince like that because that was something that I didn't see coming. But I don't know. I I I think it's a fantastic album. I had a fucking blast playing Wish because he's very percussive, right? Because he's a pianist first, so uh, it, percussion is is like the next thing, which is funny because he doesn't play it, mm. but it's it's right there. So um, I had a I had a fucking blast playing the fucking drums on this, and uh, this was uh this is the first book record beer. Two piece mm-hmm. yep. song, yeah. Hey, this is a Nick and Mike exclusive. Uh, <laughs> this is this is a book record. This temper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I I mean, between stomach viruses and bad scheduling, um, th- this one was tough to get done. But I'm glad we're it was, here. It was near impossible, yeah. Uh, but but we've done it, and um, yeah, I um, I'm excited to hear it. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, so. Uh, just the only last thing I like to note is that, uh, Trent's a PA boy, just like you and I. Oh, really? Where's he from? Mercer. Hmm. Really? He was born in Newcastle, PA, and, uh, he grew up in Mercer. He Holy went to Mer- Mercer Junior, Mercer High School, uh, and then he moved out to Cleveland. That's where he got into the studios Kleeberg. and started doing all that Good stuff. Good old Cleveland. Yeah, which I guess, you know, that's why I always make the big black reference, because I feel like he had to, because that's Chicago, right, with Albini. I feel like he had to have crossed paths. Because if you're working in a studio, right, and you're close enough, right, what's it's, you're separated by Indiana, uh, which is what <laughs> a three a three hour drive, um, you, you you probably are crossing paths, you know, probably. And, and so yeah. so I I just I get the feeling how could he have not, um, but in any case, yeah, PA boy Trent Reznor, nice nails. Let's play some fucking wish. Yeah, let's hear this. Let's do it. <laughs> 
out There's nothing more fucked up I can do Welcome back. I hope you all enjoyed and uh, and really got into the sheer percussive nature of that um, the rendition grimy, of, of Wish. The grimy sleaziness. Fist fuck! Um, <laughs> enjoy. For real. Let's go to your primary <laughs> care practitioner and get <laughs> your STD test. Moving and, forward. And or tetanus shot. Yeah, yeah. One, one or the other. What you, have you? You might need both. I feel so dirty. Uh, <laughs> I fucking, I love it, man. It's so much fun to play. Um, so in any case, uh, we are, we landed on Two Roads uh, Breweries, um, Root of All Evil. Uh, spelled, Route. Spelled R-O-U-T-E. 
Uh, if you've been listening, you, you know that Nick fucked that right up. But um, so this was actually uh, we wanted to do a black IPA um, because it goes with the the theme here that we have going on uh, with regard to our story and our album. Um, with this specifically, we have two pretty distinct and different uh, the binary of beer, if you will, mm-hmm. um, uh, combined. So if you're a hopsman, if you're a stoutman. Uh, this is, this is your baby. Um, and, uh, I, I, I like black IPAs. I'm a big fan. Uh, white ales and black IPAs were like in the running, but I think black IPA won like yeah. handedly. Mm. I don't like IPAs, but black IPAs, I do like. Well, what do you think of tempers in the IPA that makes you like it? Cause you're a maltman. Yeah. Well, the, the malts and the roastiness. So I was doing some research on this and, um, yeah, there's some contention in the, the beer world, uh, that, this shouldn't even be called a black IPA, like just the no name shit. itself, because you're calling it uh, something dark, but also pale. So it's yeah. just two things, right? It's not an IPA. Some people say, well, it's really just like a hoppy porter or a hoppy Schwartz beer. It's like a German dark. Who the fuck's going to say that, though? Nobody. So so <laughs> black IPA. So, so what was it? Uh, Dogfish said they had their India brown ale. Right. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their IBA, which is like, what the fuck's that? It's it's a dark hoppy ale, right? So yeah, I yeah, think yeah. The, that's the, true. The nomenclature finally is, uh, for better or worse, black IPA. Yeah, it's just given up. The, yeah, the pushback has ended. Um, yeah, so this one, the Two Roads. Two Roads is a brewery uh, from Connecticut. It's been around for about five years, um, and it uh, it abides. I mean, again, we got a little bit of a literary reference there with the frost. Uh, good old. Bobby Frost uh, poem reference, but um, and they they take it they take it in the uh, Bobby <laughs> they take it in kind of like I, I'm not gonna geek out on the on the the interpretation of that poem because I think a lot of people look at it as really positive. It's not, it's and terrible. I see it as terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It is terrible. Like looking back with a sigh, like dude fucked up, and it's way too late to change it. Yep. Like, I blew it. I fucking I blew, blew it. it. Like it's actually the, the original title. I, I blew fucking, it. I fucking blew it. Yeah, Bobby Frost, man. Good old Bobby Frost. His Bobby editor. Frost would have written that. Robert Frost, on the yeah. other hand, his editor did change not. his mind. Yeah, you're gonna call yourself Robert, and you're not gonna write shit like that. Yeah. Um. So, but they, but they. I mean, two roads. Two Bobby. Roads, uh, <laughs> the title, Bobby. You, you gotta get your titles together. You're you're off the rails right now. Uh, <laughs> So, so <laughs> they, t- they take it literally though they take it very they take it very literally they look at it as two roads uh, divergent roads and, and they're going to take the path less traveled and and it's a good thing Except and they're, they're taking, not going to regret it they're taking both roads at once yeah yeah routes feet in <laughs> feet in either route feet in either route um but this went up against uh two other uh breweries uh, we compared it to the uh, Clown Shoes um, Black IPA, and we compared it to uh, the um, Brewdog Black IPA. Brewdog Black IPA, and I'm not going to you know disparage a, a brewery by any means. Black IPA was not good. I love a bunch of their beers. Black IPA was very thin, very watery, yeah. um, and and they're big on hops though. Just all of the Brewdog. You know, stuff. yeah, like the 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 punk uh, especially right is yeah. is is super hoppy. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, uh, root of all evil one on that front. And then, and then the clown shoes, frankly, just, just didn't taste as good 
this is, and I don't really like clowns, so I think I might have had a mental prejudice. Um, <laughs> but like that, I, I don't know. Let's let's take a let's take a gander. Let's let's check it out. Cheers. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. And that's the thing. That initial flavor is full. It's yeah. like a very full bite. You get the whole the whole thing at once, and then it settles nicely. Well, you get the dryness of the IPA in the back end. Yeah. It lasts, too. Really nice. Exactly. Good, yeah. No, this is a lot of fun. That'd be real nice on cask. A oh, yeah. yeah. That's a... Get you should that arrange for that to happen. Hmm. I'll work Can't, on it. You can do that. I don't, I don't have a hand pump. You don't have a hand pump. But I feel like, as a bartender, you could put in the good word for good old two roads. Can we get a hand pump? Can we get a... Oh, you don't have a hand pump. Yeah. Fuck. No, we don't. That was the point. Oh, we don't have comment. one. You don't have... Yeah, the ability. Um, but in any case, this is this <laughs> is uh, only around for a little bit. So, like most black IPAs, right? They're just like kind of winter into spring type thing. Um, I f- no, I f- I feel like I've seen them all year round. I could I'll be, be honest. I could was, be mistaken. I, I it was difficult to find some when we agreed that this well, this was going to be our. Um, but I know that when I was looking, there are about three mm-hmm. that I've had that were not available. Yeah. Um, and so I got the feeling, and this is this actually is a, a seasonal. It says it. It says it. Yeah, on the on the bottom. This is a seasonal. Um, take cool. the road less shoveled is what's at the bottom oh. of this one. So I think it's meant to be like a wintry. Maybe our listeners uh, can uh, send us a little shout out on shout out or correct us on Twitter or yeah, Instagram. Yeah. Maybe we, yeah, we could have our listeners do the uh, retractions and refractions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I really, I think starting up front with that maltiness mm-hmm. and getting the citrus, that, that, that lightness on the back end is, uh, is certainly, certainly where it's at. Um, I am a, I am a big fan. I'm a big fan. Um, so yeah, I'll be honest. I, I love that. It starts with the, with the, uh, the maltiness up front, get that citrus on the back end, 7.5%. Solid. You can taste that though. It that's tastes true. like a strong beer. That's true. It really does. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I am really enjoying it. I think that's the thing though too. Like out of all the ones I I, I tried, this was the most tempered mm-hmm. in way of like more flavor over that alcohol. It's a lot. A lot of beer, uh, a lot of brewers. They don't. They go for something big. It seems, and until they kind of really you know learn what they're doing, it just it's just too much of. Of what just, they were what, going for. What, yeah. So you yeah, look at like, like Dogfish Head, right? They do all sorts of crazy shit. Right. But when they do it, it's exactly what they were going for. And it might not be good, but it, it's a yep. balanced thing and it's exactly what they were going for. Allagash, they're the same way. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They go big. Oh, that, Allagash, I can't even handle. It's so, so much. Any, any of them. Right. Any Allagash. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Any Allagash. If, if, uh, that's like where I'm like... Well, they're white is... Is okay. That's a good. I was gonna say I like that one. Beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they're other like they're they're. What's well, like? There's like a ten point five or something. Yeah, their their Curio is eleven percent, twelve percent. That that that's what I was introduced with without. Yeah, without what do you, they've got a double. They've, they've got so many. They've got so many. Yeah, it's out um, of control. But this, yeah, I would say, uh, as far as a strong version of this style goes, it is very well well balanced. Yeah. yeah. Um, does Lagunitas have a black IPA? There's one that I liked. The first one I had, and it was from one of the bigger companies. Okay. And I gave it a shot. I was like, I kind of like this. There's one that I I was, 
I can see in my mind's eye, but I, I couldn't remember the name. Yeah. And that was the one I wanted. Uh, and I would have, if I would have remembered, if I would have seen it in yeah. one of the in one of the doors, uh, but it wasn't there. This is close to a barley wine. Like a, the nose is very, very barley yeah. wineish. Yeah, it's almost like a hoppy barley wine, if anything. Yeah, yeah now that you mentioned, get it. that soy sauce. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> mm. I love yeah. me some soy sauce. That's a bring back, ladies and gentlemen. That's a callback. I'm a soy sauceman. <laughs> soy sauceman. Yeah. <laughs> In the worst way. <laughs> in the best way. Don't judge me, man. Uh, dude, you're like a toddler the way you like soy sauce. See episode three. <laughs> <laughs> that should be on like hyperlinks. Yeah, yeah dude. Kink, kink. <laughs> oh, man. No, I, I, I think it's delicious. I like the black IPAs. Um, it's one of those things. I think we've, we've found a number of beers. It's why we drink fucking 20 ponies and one of these because – I'm not gonna have more than two. Mm-mm, no, sir. Yeah. No, no, this is heavy. Yeah, not on a school night. See what you do. <laughs> if I'm gonna be real fancy, so I'll get this. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's it's very good. This isn't this isn't my beer, obviously. Right. Um, but I I like it very much. Um, but this is the one you have at the bar, and you're like, that was delicious. Would you like another one? No, I would not. I'll have a Coors Light, please. Thank you. <laughs> you know, because yeah. you know, after that. I mean, your night could spiral into a shitstorm real fast <laughs> yeah, if you, you keep find, drinking these. Yeah, find you, yourself somewhere. Even like my beer connoisseur drinkers, it's rare that I'll have someone come in and they just drink a ton of high ABV, like really good beers all night. It happens. And right. I admire the hell out of those gentlemen. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. ladies, I'm like, how are you still standing? <laughs> you well, that's ate, because I ate 20 wings along with them. How did you eat 20 wings <laughs> and have seven beers? <laughs> what is your stomach? Um, it's true, but some of you know, the, the the more responsible. Uh, I'm gonna say responsible. Um, uh, the people that that like to try all the shit, they'll get like a bottle of right. this, and then they'll split it with somebody, yeah. and then maybe have a water, and then and make their way through the fridge over a couple of hours. That's like, the fucking key to victory. It. That's the that's the key to victory. Really, if you ch- if you well, a we all know because we were once 14 mm-hmm. that changing up the different beers is going to fuck you up. Right? Yeah. Um, your palate as well as your head. But um, what I was going to say is the key to victory is that water. Because yeah. I feel like that in my old age has not only kept me able to like push through, but also uh, has, has, has wiped my palate a little bit yeah. so that I'm able to actually taste what I'm fucking drinking. You heard that. it here first, folks. Water. Every second beer, have a goddamn glass of water. Or, yeah. or you could have a Coors Light. And that'll do just same difference. <laughs> it's pretty yeah, close. It's, it's yeah. exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. So I think actually I would pee more from the Coors Light than I would the water. Well, alcohol's a diuretic. Yeah. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Coors Light has alcohol, and alcohol is a diuretic. So <laughs> let's get this straight. If you were to is this, if you were to eat a bunch of watermelon, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you were to eat a bunch of watermelon, yeah. Drink a bunch of beers, you would literally from your butt <laughs> especially if you drank watermelon beers <laughs> so you get a 21st amendment uh-huh. hell or high water yep. on at my uh, <laughs> you t- at my bachelor party we were playing um, beer pong in the hotel room and my buddy um, he's a doctor <clears throat> but my buddy was drinking uh, higher uh, hell or high watermelon right in whilst playing beer pong it was in his cups and he was uh, playing for a long time. That's only a four point seven percent, four point two. 
something like that. Where's this going? We don't know where it's going. No, he's telling us we don't know. He peed out of he's his butt. A, he's waving <laughs> he us off. Of he's butt. a doctor, so something medical is so going to go horribly this wrong. This guy drinks, I mean, the equivalent of six or seven while playing the game, which is fast-paced. And yeah, you, that's like you, a 30 minute yeah, tops. You burn through it. Yeah. Even drinking um, six Miller lights in 20 minutes is going <laughs> to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fast forward to uh, 11 o'clock that night. This, <laughs> he is, I was fast forwarding. <laughs> there you go. Well, he could have been doing that too because he was asleep while, <laughs> I mean, standing up in a bar. Oh, shit. And like, and like, he was standing up straight, but his head was back. Like, oh. Just like he was sleeping on a couch, but it was just like <laughs> he was standing up. Holy shit! It, it was I don't a, think I've ever encountered astounding. that. That's was, full I mean, on. The, the guy's the balance was outrageous. I mean, it takes training. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't believe it. He might be an X Men or a vampire. An X Men. An X Men. He's an X Men. Yeah. Like, like uh, extraordinary balance. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I like this beer. Final thoughts. Too. Final thoughts. Um, I think it's more malty than it is citrusy. I think that's fine, but I like a little bit of my, uh, and that's what I, I'm thinking of with the the best IP, black IPA I had had a little bit of that sting at the end of that of that IPA citrusy overtone, yeah. and it it like cut through, yeah. uh, and that I really enjoyed. This does not have that, but this is a very solid black IPA. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I I think I got to say it is a sort of a hopped barley wine. I think as far as a black IPA goes. I think there's more well balanced, although this is, this is well balanced. Yeah. I think there's some that are a little bit more uh, mellow, and you get you get all the notes. I feel like this one's a little bit uh, that soy sauce kind of sweet. Mm. Um, soy sauce. <laughs> <laughs> really, it it's, you. if you're familiar with the barley wine style, I think it's a, a, a slightly yeah. hoppy barley wine style. It reminds um, me of that Cigar City. Yeah, it does. It's a little like a little, mm. um, you know, a little a little bitter. But in the end, okay. Yeah. Like Miss Adele. Nice. Yeah. Um, Ooh, I like that. Nicely done. I would... Um, so I, I don't get the IPA notes. It could just be my palate. Um, just because I'm not really used to drinking this sort of thing. But I had... Um, we were at Breaker Brewery uh, up in uh, Wilkes-Barre over the weekend. And they had a Irish coffee stout. And this is very reminiscent of that. Uh, just a really intense, delicious stout. Um, yeah. But again, that could be my palate. So, no, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, no, I, I good... feel like they made a dark beer and put hops in it. Yeah, instead yeah. of made a hoppy beer. And well, you think you like know, they dry hopped it? Something they did something. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know enough about brewing. We should get someone that knows about brewing in here to set us straight sometime. Yeah, two episodes, ladies and gentlemen. We'll have Jared. Ruddick on the Brewman, the Brewman, the Brewman, <laughs> the Brewman will be here. He's gonna <laughs> two episodes. Not, not to be confused with the Broom Man, I was gonna, oh. <laughs> <laughs> which is you. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, <laughs> sweeping the nation, <laughs> or just the basement. <laughs> cheers, guys. Cheers, cheers. Nicely done. Cheers. Excellent. All right. Thank you. We're gonna. Pass it off to Nick for a moment. Give us some plugs here, dude. Gotcha. Don't forget to uh, follow us on social media. You can look us up on Facebook at facebook.com at book record beer podcast. On Twitter at book record beer. And on Instagram at book.record.beer. We are also on iTunes. 
loot and they're trying to fuck me up and it's great but uh here we go we're also on itunes uh so make sure to uh rate it uh share it do all that good stuff and um and we hope to see you again soon thank you very much see what i did there fuck you guys Postscript. If you're following along, keeping up with your books and records, we have a doozy of a summer reading episode on deck. M.K. Asante's memoir, Buck, and the Bouncing Souls, How I Spent My Summer Vacation. And don't forget to comment and rate us on iTunes. I'm, I'm sure there's got to be some reason for it. Perhaps it's Texas. Oh, shit. Bye-bye. Wish there was something real. Wish there was something true.